Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. Well, here we are closing out August this week, getting ready to enter into September at the end of the week. In a lot of ways, I feel like we're saying goodbye to the summer of 2023, getting ready to enter into the fall season after Labor Day. But on the other side, we do have a tropical storm, Tropical Storm Adalia, which is currently threatening the state of Florida. It's supposed to become a hurricane. Some people believe it will be a Category 3 We're not going to know what's going to happen as far as strength and direction until probably another 24 hours. I'm making this recording on Monday the 28th. By the time it drops on Tuesday the 29th, Tuesday night, we'll know a lot better. Hopefully this is not going to be a destructive hurricane, but I guess we're going to see what happens. I know it took a long, long time with cleanup from last year's hurricane, which hit on September the 28th. We were without power for about two weeks, and it just wasn't a good situation, I have to say. Matter of fact, I remember thinking at the time that we were just hit by a hurricane in 2017, and now here we are only five years later, because before that time, we would have to go all the way back to 2004. Now, there were tropical storms. There's gusts of wind and some flooding and that kind of thing. It's more or less considered normal. But when you start getting into the Category 4, Category 5 hurricane, we're talking about the kind of storms where there's loss of life and just a whole lot of damage. Now, before 2004, we look at the 2000s, we can see that the frequency between these huge storms is starting to appear to be getting closer and closer together. When before that, we have to go all the way back to 1992, when Hurricane Andrew hit the state of Florida with sustained winds of over 145 miles an hour. Matter of fact, I talked to some of the people who were there at the time, listened to interviews, and none of the people were quite the same. Again, many people who stayed there suffered from PTSD um, due to going through that kind of prolonged stress. And I, I understand where they're coming from because in 2017... The winds were so high and so sustained that here in our house, we felt like it sounded like the wind was going to rip the roof right right off the top of our house. It sounded like a train, like train tracks had been laid over the top of our house and a train, the longest train you can imagine, was running over those tracks for a good 13, 14 hours straight. And during that time, you don't sleep, you can't rest, you're on edge. It's, you know, the power goes out by that point. And so these things were so infrequent in the past that it led to incredible growth here in the state of Florida. Now that they're more frequent, and maybe this is so also in places like California when it comes to these fires, maybe they're getting larger, more intense over time. But things have definitely changed and not for the better. Now, before Hurricane Andrew, you have to go all the way back to 1935 to find a Category 5 hurricane, which had uh, hit. And so, yes, times have definitely changed. But anyway, 
I'm just hoping that this is going to be a minor storm and you know sometimes you kind of wish that it wouldn't would hit somebody else instead of you but after you've been hit by a few of these these are the kind of storms that you don't want to wish this on anyone you just hope that it, it peters out before it makes landfall or it just gets blown out somewhere into the middle of the ocean but um all right today's episode is brought to you by two of my very own uh, marketing tools i'm talking about the digital strategist newsletter which is my digital marketing uh, resource. I make it available for free. It's a monthly newsletter. usually comes out on the 23rd or the 24th of every month, and it's designed to give you some insights that can help you think through your own digital marketing strategies, maybe give you some options that you haven't thought about. So head over to jimsnewsletter.com. You can sign up for that. Back issues are available there as well. And also the One to Many System, which is available at onetomanysystem.com. That's one-to-many-system.com, and this is my big program. It gives you a complete, scalable marketing strategy and system, along with the website and content creation pieces, so you can finally have all the pieces and be able to put them together. It's the culmination of my 25-plus years of doing business online. So if you have the right product, if you have the right service, then this is the system that tells you how to put it all together. So if you haven't already done so, visit one-to-many-system.com today to learn more. Now, all of us have been in a place where it feels like, it seems like nothing we do is working. Where you're in a place where you're trying to grow your business, you're trying to grow your income, and you feel like you're stuck. And if you feel like you're burning out just with the topic of online business, and you're exhausted with trying to build your income, let me tell you this, I don't think you're alone by a long shot. If you're in a place where nothing seems to work, I do have to say this, sometimes it's good to step back from what you're doing and do your very best to disconnect from things that are draining you from an emotional standpoint. You know, people talk about mental health and I'm not sure if they're talking about emotional health when they're talking about that as part of it, but if I just take the word mental because that's just such a vast topic, and just look at emotion and put emotion in there. A lot of people, it doesn't take a whole lot to make them happy, at least in the moment. You know, something, something very small can change their emotional state uh, for the better. But when you're in a place where things are draining you emotionally, it, it affects everything else. So today I want to talk to you about the struggles people face when they're trying to grow a business online and I'm sure you've already heard all of the advice, things like, you know, you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. I think you've even heard like kind of meme-worthy advice like, tough times aren't permanent, but tough people are. All of those things sound great. We nod our heads. But all of those things sound even better when you're looking back at the failures that you've already passed through and you're doing better or you're doing well. Not so much when you're right in the middle of the situations and nothing seems to be working out in your favor. Now, when I was a teenager, I believed that the secrets of life and business could be found in the self-help section of my local bookstore. I really believe that. I believe that what I was missing, somebody had found and they'd written about it. And so I spent countless hours going through things like self-help books and that kind of, kind of thing. But as time progressed, I had this feeling in the back of my mind that this missing pieces of knowledge, secret pieces of information, if you will, 
That's what made the difference between success and failure. And then someone came along, very successful, and said, there's no such thing as secrets anymore in this world. Everything that can be known is basically known, but there's things that you don't know yet. And so to you, they are secrets. And, you know, if you asked me at the time, do I really believe that there's a secret to success? Eventually, I got to the point where I would have told you on the surface, no. But my actions, on the other hand, were a different matter altogether. You know, sometimes we say one thing when we do another, but what you really believe is expressed more by your actions sometimes than it is by your words. Sometimes we just tell people what they want to hear. But one of the things that I found so attractive about success being a secret or there being secrets of success, it meant that it put control in my hands and whatever happened, I could control it. It makes me wonder why the knights were after the Holy Grail. I guess that's a true story. I guess they were actually out there searching for the a real Holy Grail that they thought existed at the time. But, I mean, was there any special power in the cup? Probably not, I'm guessing, right? Or, or other things, you know? I mean, it, there's just something about some of these stories where you take somebody who's down and out, they meet a mysterious stranger, or they discover a, a small book that somebody had left somewhere or in the, in the attic or in a basement, and what they found in the pages completely transformed their life. I mean, those are the, the kind of stories that kind of like put an anchor in us and make us feel when you're not getting ahead that maybe you're just one or two secrets away from experiencing incredible success. And again, I think the thing that's so alluring about those stories that it makes it sound like there's something that we can do that we haven't done. And if that's the case, then success is 100% in our hands. But something else happened that made me believe otherwise when I moved here to the state of Florida, because circumstances came together that enabled me to sit down and talk with some ultra successful people face to face. The names of at least one you'd recognize, and it was sort of my own Napoleon Hill kind of moment. And by the way, the story of Napoleon Hill, if you're not familiar with it, has been disputed by not just a few people over the years. And there is a chance that the whole story was fabricated, that that never happened. Anyway, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm just using him as the example because Napoleon Hill interviewed allegedly the most successful people of his time. And during that time, he discovered the secrets of success and he wrote about it. Now, in actuality, Napoleon Hill was basically funded by Clement Stone, who was, I guess, the, the grandfather of the modern insurance business. And it could be argued that if it wasn't for him, he never would have succeeded in anything because none of the secrets that he wrote about actually led to his actual success. I know that sounds negative. I, I didn't know Napoleon Hill, neither did you. And I'm sure that we can find people who will swear up and down one way or the other. But it does leave the room there. there it does leave certain things in question. But I had my own moment here in the early days, when I first moved here to the state of Florida, which was kind of like a Napoleon Hill moment for me, because I connected with one of the coaches of the U.S. national team for uh, men's boxing. He was semi-retired at the time. He owned a small restaurant at the beach where they served, I think, just breakfast and lunch. 
And I was there one day with my wife, and I noticed certain photos on the wall that he had hanging there. And as it wound up, I began talking about the fighters and basically began to give a mini biography uh, to the person I was talking to. I didn't realize I was talking to the owner of the business. And he was so impressed with my knowledge of the fighters. That's when I found out that he was the co- one of the coaches, one of like four or five, of the national boxing team. And he was talking to me about certain fighters that he managed. And for those of you who don't know, my grandfather was himself a Hall of Fame boxing trainer up in New Jersey. He worked with world champions. And sometimes he'd take my father up to the training camps with him during the summer. So from the age of six, I would say onward, I was just steeped in boxing history, meeting the fighters, learning their stories, getting the old magazines. And once I started sharing this information, it's like this guy and I went from being strangers to immediate friends. He introduced his wife to my wife and we sat down and we began talking. And so afterward, he said, you know, come back and uh, visit. And I'll introduce you to some of my friends. They're some of the most successful people that you'll ever connect with. Maybe they can give you some insights that will help you growing your business. And so definitely, I was so excited about it. I was like a kid in a candy store. Now, over the course of the next few uh, years and several meetings, I began to meet quite a few ultra-successful people. When I say ultra-successful, I'm not talking about people who are worth a million dollars. I'm talking about people who are worth tens of millions. In one case, more than that. Now, all of these people, with the exception of one, and that was the Johnson family grandmother. I'm talking about Johnson & Johnson, the pharmaceutical company. Everyone, with the exception of her, had one thing in common with their stories. They were um, talented people, smart people, um, go-getters, all of those things. But something happened to each and every one of them. Some of them called it luck. Some of them called it God. Some of them called it fate. But something happened that was outside of their control that brought all the other elements of what they were doing together and made the whole thing the kind of success it became. And each of them admitted to me that had they do, had had they had to go back and do it over again, they didn't think that they could duplicate their success without that element being present. And that was a real eye-opener for me. And I'm sharing it because a lot of people today are carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. They're afraid of this happening. They're afraid of that happening. And the fears of all of those things are sucking the life out of them. Maybe they're sucking the life out of you. And from a spiritual perspective, if I look at the foundation, I believe that we're here to overcome, not to just, you know, we're not here to be uh, run over, run down, or, or fail and be defeated. I believe that each of us has the ability to overcome within where we're situated, where we're at. I know success means different things to different people, but I believe that each of us has the tools needed to get there. And if we don't, we get connected. We find people that can help give us what we don't have. I believe that we are, that you are the solution to someone else's problem. Someone else may be the solution to your problem. But I want to get back to the fight game for just a moment because when you think about life, you can't get around the fact that everyone struggles. Now, just because someone isn't uh, financially struggling doesn't mean they don't have any struggles. Maybe they would gladly substitute 
um, their struggles with, with someone else's. But when I look at the fight game, I want to get back to this because the fighter doesn't go back to their corner and complain about the fact that they're getting punched any more than the soldier thinks that, ah, that others are willing to kill them to hold the ground they're trying to take. But even a fighter and a soldier and the warriors of life have an outside arena of combat, so to speak. So in my mind, maybe it's because I've been around the fight game from an early age, but I don't look at things not working out as being odd. I don't look at adversity as being strange. And if you've been in this world at least 20 years, then why are you surprised when things go wrong? Why are you surprised when things are difficult? I mean, this is the world that we're living in. There's all kinds of challenges. There's all kinds of obstacles. Some of them are external. Some of them are internal. Some of them are under the roof with you. But the point is this, is that in life, you have to be a fighter. Isn't that true? And I know some people can't fight for themselves. You know, maybe you fight for somebody else. Maybe you're fighting for your children at this point in time or for your family. But I know that outside of this combat mentality, you know, people complain about life being unfair and they wonder questions like, what did I do to deserve this? But we live in a world and are doing business in a world where you have to fight in order to move forward more often than not. Now I'm not talking about fighting the person next to you. I'm talking about putting in time and energy and effort to build something. I'm talking about persistence. And like the fighter in the ring, hopefully we each have a corner that we return to between rounds with people who are there to support us in our fight. And they too, they're in their own battles. You know, your spouse, your children, other people in your family, we're, we're all in our battles. But we also can be there to support one another. So it's our place to be in their corner, just like it's their place to be in our corner. All right. So that's how I look at the mental side of things. Somebody might say, well, you know, Jim, that's an unhealthy way to look at the world like you're like you're in combat like you're a warrior but it makes more sense in, at least in my experience to approach it that way because i'm not surprised when adversity happens to anybody including myself but let's talk about the business side because people often complain I, I, jim i can't make enough sales we can't grow the business we're not making enough money it's too competitive out there to succeed what about those kinds of situations well let me tell you something. I believe that everybody gets to a point where they want to give up. Everybody gets to the point where they feel like quitting, when emotionally they've had enough. And in some cases, I would say that maybe quitting is a good thing to do because you're not just leaving one thing, but you're going to start something else. Now, if you're not leaving to start, then I say maybe you have a problem. Maybe you should think it through a little bit better because a little bit of something, even if it's not enough, is still better than nothing. So... I would say that, well, okay, let me, let me just go a little bit further. Because the other day, I was talking with a WordPress developer. And I took a look at their website. They're very good at what they do, but they can't generate enough business. Right? We're talking about business right now. Now, the average person, I have to say, doesn't know the difference when they're hiring a developer, a designer, or an SEO person that builds websites. They really don't know the difference they can't tell the difference. And it's true in many industries. A lot of times people don't know what they're buying and no one really explains it to them. Or they don't even get the education up front to be able to understand what it is they're buying. I remember years ago, I bought what I thought was a supercomputer 
And after I bought the computer, I learned that the software hadn't even been written to take advantage of all of the speed that the hardware was capable of giving, only part of it. I didn't know. I just thought the information I had was the, whole, the full picture, but it wasn't. There was a missing piece there. And so the software to take advantage of that hardware wouldn't be written for another two to three years. Anyway, moving forward, the average person doesn't know the difference between, let's say, a developer, a designer, an SEO person. Whatever you do online, whatever niche that you're in, maybe the person doesn't know the difference between what you do and what several other people that kind of say that they know how to give you. uh, Let me backtrack on that because I'm kind of going in a circle with this thought. Let's take medical, for example. How many diets are there out there? How much advice is there on how to get healthy and how to stay healthy? Well, what are your credentials? Well, somebody doesn't know the difference between one type of medicine and another over one type of of food and another. One person says, if you eat this, it's good. Another person says, if you eat that, it's bad. Who do you believe? You get what I'm saying? This is true with just about anything. And if you can talk a good game, even if you're wrong, you can sell a lot of stuff because people follow people that appear to be confident and fluent in whatever it is they're talking about. So I'm just throwing that out there because I'm talking about a developer right now, and maybe you're not a developer. Maybe you're not a designer or an SEO person, so you can't relate, but relate this to whatever it is that you do. So back to the developer. Even if you list the programming languages you're proficient or expert in, and you just have them on your website like labels, do you think how many decision-making people or decision-makers have no idea what that means for them on a practical level. Now, from a sales perspective, you may be creating more questions than you're answering to the average prospect viewing your page or viewing your site. Think about that for a moment. So someone may say, well, you know, I'm I'm proficient in Python. And somebody else who's looking to have a problem solve, they don't know where Python is used or what it means or any of that. And you don't explain any of that on your site. You just have labels that other people can't identify with. Now, if the people who hire you are people that understand those languages themselves, then maybe you've ticked a few boxes, but you can't tell me that you can't sell to people who don't speak your your language. Because in anything technical, most of the people do not speak a technical language. As a matter of fact, The first time they tried to publish the dummies books back in the day, they were turned down by publisher after publisher after publisher because at the time, no one had ever written a book on how to use computers that was easy to understand. And they said that you can't explain this anything in layman's terms. You have to explain it in technical terms. And as it turned out, that wasn't true. There are plenty of analogies that you can give to teach somebody somebody something that's technical in order for them not to have to go to school and get all of this education just to be able to have a conversation with you. Now, from a sales perspective, if you're overly technical in what you have on your site, you may be creating more questions than you're answering as far as the average prospect goes that's viewing your page. Most people, let's face it, we're talking about websites. They don't understand the difference between front-end development, back-end development. They don't understand UX and UI. They're just labels. And why am I pointing this out? Because of this. When you feel like you want to quit, when you feel like nothing you're doing is working, when you feel emotionally drained and you want to give up, 
before you give up, go back to what you're doing and maybe do something or fix something that you haven't done yet or maybe that you don't think really needs to be fixed. I'm pointing this out because so many people don't realize that they're not communicating their message well enough through their website. They have information, they have skills that can help so many people, but they don't communicate those skills, that knowledge of those insights in a way that's relatable to the average person. I have a friend who has his doctorate in a topic, and unless you're really interested in the deeper meaning of the topic that he teaches, a lot of times you just get lost. Now, he likes talking about those things, and I understand there are niches where you go into details, especially in things like programming or maybe even medical that the average person can't get to. But there's a lot of other people that can benefit from what you have, but you have to give them more of a basic type of information on the front end so that you can at least get their attention. See, people want what they want. They don't necessarily want what they need. And so you have to be intelligent enough sometimes to be able to give people what they want, even if it's not what they need, to get them to stop for a moment to listen to whatever it is that you have to say. Sometimes people, all they see is the pain that they're feeling in the here and now. And you could point out several other things that brought them to that point of pain, but they're not going to hear you unless you get rid of the pain first. And salespeople have understood this for years. Wise people have understood this for years. A lot of times what we're looking for isn't really what we need, it's what we want. Even from a business perspective, we think that our business needs this, but it really doesn't need that, but we want that because our business doesn't have it, but there's three or four other things that had we had those things first, we wouldn't even be in this situation now. So maybe you're not communicating your message well enough through your website, but think about this before you give up, before you throw in the towel, before you say, Jim, this, this niche is just too crowded. Why don't you take a step back for a moment, let those negative emotions calm down, and consider this. You've already put the time, effort, and energy into whatever it is that you're trying to build. Before you get to the point where you just want to wash your hands, walk away, or just stop trying, isn't it worth putting in maybe one or two more efforts into changing something that can make a big difference at the end of the day? I mean, if you even look at something simple like ChatGPT, you could take the existing text, the existing headlines that you're using, the existing subject lines, and ask it to help you improve those things. It won't cost you anything. Plus, there's probably thousands of existing websites out there that you can look at for some inspiration or ideas. Those plus some help from ChatGPT or maybe some own ideas of your own mixed in with those three things. That can definitely improve whatever it is that you're presenting online. So, hey, if you do all of these things and nothing works, at least you knew you made the effort. You know, sometimes it's worth walking away from certain things. Certain businesses, I believe, have a shorter lifespan than others. Certain opportunities come and go. I believe that 100%. I'm just saying you don't want to walk away from something too soon. There's a balance to it. Now, If you can look at your website right now and honestly say that you have a very solid, if not compelling, sales message and it's still not making sales, then I would say, yeah, you're you're probably, the issue is probably elsewhere. Changing the text yet again is probably not going to help you that much. Because remember, from a bottom line perspective, everything 
is going to come back to conversions. Whatever it is that you have, whatever it is that you sell, you have to convert people into clients and customers. But I also know that there's a whole lot of websites out there that can do much better than they're currently doing because their, their text is average, there's nothing there to inspire people to take the next step, and so on. So whether it's weak messaging or whether the interest has moved on from that topic, you want to make sure that you come to a conclusion not based on how you feel, but based on the efforts that you've made. Now, have you ever been to a website where the message or the copy is really good, but the design is terrible and dated? That's an easier fix today than ever before. But I'm sure you've been to those kind of sites, but make sure you don't have the opposite problem where everything looks good. It looks professional, but the copy is very poor. I think that if I had to have a weakness, and I hate to say this, but if I really think it through, I'd rather have good copy with a bad design than a great design with bad copy. Because at least if the copy is compelling enough, people will stop and they will read. They may not read everything, but they'll read enough. I know I've made purchases from websites that have had weak designs, poor designs even. Maybe you can say the same thing. But the copy was so interesting, so compelling, that it didn't matter that the site looked like it was made you know, 20 years ago. There's one person I can think of in particular. I don't want to call out his name. He's a copywriter. He's been around forever. His design is just a sales page. That's all it is. He has one or two graphics in there, but it doesn't look like it was put together by a professional designer. It looks like it was put together by a copywriter. I don't say that to uh, down anybody. I'm just trying to explain it clearly enough so you understand. And if I go to his material today, it won't be long before I reach for my credit card because the argument that he makes in text is that compelling. So, hey, design is nice. I'm not belittling it. But bad copy, weak copy can definitely be a killer. So make sure you've done all that you can do, all within your power to do for your business before you just give up and you want to move on to something else. Now, if you're selling services, I'm going to run low a little bit on time here. I'm just going to use two examples. I've already talked about copy is one of the things that you can change. You feel like nothing's working. You feel like you're not making any progress. Maybe you should move on to another niche. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but at least make sure you have the copy box ticked before you do and that you give it some time and test it out. Hey, even if you want to, if you want to experiment in another niche, I'll be the last person to tell you not to do it. I've stretched myself thin doing tests, and so I know the pros and cons of it. But let's talk about selling services briefly. If you're selling any kind of service online and you're struggling, you may want to consider if your copy is okay productizing your services instead of offering a customized service to each and every uh, new client or customer. You've probably heard of this approach before. It's nothing new, but it's one thing to hear the concept and it's another thing to test it out for yourself. Customized services are challenging when it comes to scaling a business, especially if you're not charging enough because you'll finally discover that as you begin to acquire more people, you're still not making enough money and there's not enough hours in the day to meet your uh, what you need money-wise, the level you need to attain to, even if you did have the people. So if you want to remain a solo entrepreneur who outsources on occasion, you can templatize uh, most of what you do. Even if you pay someone to help you set up your initial packages, your initial designs, your templates, I would, I would say it's definitely worth considering going this route. 
And one more thing to consider is whether or not you should set up another website besides the site or sites you already have to test out this idea. I've learned that many times it's faster doing it this way, setting up a new domain with a new site and start sending people to it rather than modifying or tweaking what you already have. Also, if it doesn't work out the way you want to, you don't have to go back and restore your site to its original or previous version. The problem with being in a place where nothing seems to work is that we often start to subconsciously judge all of the potential solutions people offer to us or that we read about or hear about as just another thing that probably won't work. And once you have that kind of attitude, you're not going to do your best work. You're not going to put your full amount of energy into it. And you know it because it's happened before. So why not step back for a minute, regroup, and make a decision to give it one more shot? Give it your very best and you'll be able to honestly say, looking back, that you did everything that you could do with what you had at the time. But don't make excuses why you didn't try certain things because you'll find no shortage of excuses when you look for them. Now, this was the advice my grandfather gave my father and that my father shared with me during a period of struggle in his business journey. My dad was ready to give up. He was ready to try something else because he wasn't making enough money. My grandfather assessed the situation and told him this. He said, stick with it a little bit longer. I'll give you some money if you need some money, but don't walk away from it just yet. He took his advice and about nine months later, the entire business turned around. So this is the same advice I want to pass along to you because we're in a challenging time in history right now. I don't know how many people realize that or not. I know the people who are downplaying it are usually the ones that feed off the system, so to speak. They're not boots on the ground type people working in the real world the way you are. And let me be completely honest with this when I say the last thing that many, if not most of you need right now is another course or another ebook or another plugin. Most of you don't need more software or more apps. All those purchases, when you get right down to it, are just ways of avoiding doing the things that you're afraid to do or the things you want to avoid doing. Other changes that you can make include things like pricing, pricing too low today and pricing too low, let's say a few years ago, 2020, 2019, look like two different animals today, especially here in North America, the way inflation has infected everything. Most people can't afford to work on the cheap anymore. So if you're doing that, that needs to change. And lastly, think about changing your product focus. Every year, the toy and gaming industries focus on creating a fresh new hit for their industries. They're not trying to bring back something that was a hit during the holiday season of 2022 with the hopes that it will keep selling in 2023. Same goes for the clothing industry and just about any other industry you can think of. Does this concept apply to your business? Well, I'll let you be the person to answer that question. Because if people are people, then why wouldn't it? Kids lose interest in things quickly. Adults lose interest too, maybe not as quickly, but the principle remains. So there are definitely things worth trying before you walk away from certain businesses or industries or just call it a day in certain areas. But if you've done those things and you still don't have any progress, then at least you can move forward knowing that you did the very best with what you had at the time that you had it. All right, that's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Somewhat sombering, somewhat eye-opening. 
If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, or wherever else you may happen to be, or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. That's all for today. Thanks so much for listening. Wish me the best as we face this uncertain hurricane, and I will talk to you later.